Welcome everyone to the sixth episode of the Bleed Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Easy Hockey Reviews YouTube channel. Uh, we have quite the bit of news and uh, debacles in the, the NHL to talk about. So without further ado, I'm uh, just going to dive right in here. Um, first off, uh, one thing I kind of want to do. Um, with the start of these, um, episodes, the, the podcast, at least the episodes of the podcast that, um, are during the season, uh, just do a quick, uh, uh, roundup of the, uh, standings where player, uh, what, where teams are, uh, points wise, um, only going to go over, uh, who's in what playoff spot right now. Uh, I'm not going to go over every single team because that's what the first of the month is, which, um, yeah, so divisional review for as of February 1st will air on February 1st. I'll do that um, as like as soon as I wake up, we'll uh, get uh, down to the nitty gritty. And unlike uh, what I typically do on the YouTube uh, video versions of that, where I just uh, divide it up in um uh by division give it its own video i'm just going to comprise it into one whole thing one big old thing um since podcasting um is a little bit more uh encouraging uh to be long in a longer form like it's a little bit you know better to do that instead of uh youtube videos uh, it's actually better to be a little bit shorter in the youtube front uh at least it's uh the algorithm um, uh, basically makes it that way. Um, but anyway, um, first we're going to go to Eastern Conference here, uh, with all the games, um, yeah, all the games are done for today. Um, well, uh, I guess we can also go over, uh, games too. So, uh, Calgary versus Montreal in Montreal, uh, Montreal shut out the, uh, Flames 2-0, um, Boston, uh, lost to Philadelphia in a shootout, uh, six to five, um, which um, gotta say was super hilarious on how that transpired, because um, uh, how you start the shootout, you have the puck right at center ice, and then the skater, you know, takes a couple, maybe like two or three strides before you know getting the puck and start making her way, but uh, Brad Marchand. Uh, was the fifth guy, I believe he was the fifth guy, to uh, shoot for the Boston Bruins. Um, and this is also in Philly. I don't know if it makes a difference, but it, it, this is happening in Philly. Um, and he completely, like, misses the the, the puck. So his, his shot was null and void. So, yeah, that was, that was kind of hilarious, to say the least. Um... Washington shut out the uh, Carolina Hurricanes uh, with uh, Ilya Samsonov getting the uh, the shutout for the Washington Capitals, and um, yeah, where am I? Where am I looking at here? Um, yeah, Ilya Samsonov gets his uh, gets the shutout, and Alex Ovechkin. Uh, gets the only two goals of the game too, um, which we'll get into 
later on in this episode uh, what uh, is the significance of that. Um, the New York Islanders uh, lost to the Rangers in um, uh, at Madison Square Garden uh, by the score of 6-2. to um, Panarin put up two goals, uh, three assists, um, 5.9 for him. Uh, it was a really good showing for him. And also, uh, the the I'll get into the Blues game later on uh, against the Anaheim Ducks. That's the, uh, the diving in uh, breakdown game of the night uh, for you there, which we'll get into in a second. Um, some news here. Uh, Ray Sherrill, uh, general manager of the New Jersey Devils, is no more. Uh, he uh, Statements are saying that uh, it was an agreement to part ways. Um, some people are just flat out saying it was fired. I mean, it's basically saying he was fired. Um, but just, I guess, to loosen the blow that it's like, oh, yeah, it's a agreement to, uh, you know, go to different, you know, ways. But uh, regardless, uh, Tom Fitzgerald has been named as the interim GM for the Devils. And Martin Verdure uh, will be serving as an advisor to to hockey operations um probably also kind of using his um experience that he learned in the front offices of the st louis blues under uh, the direction of doug armstrong um who seems to be uh striking gold at every corner right now um so hope and i mean and out of the the teams out of them, the Rangers and the Islanders, I really hope that the Devils, you know, really uh, make a resurgence. Because uh, for a team that had a lot of, a lot of high hopes this season uh, coming in, uh, they have absolutely missed the mark by a long shot, uh, to say the least. But uh, while we're on standing, uh, while we're on the standings, um, at the very least, the Devils aren't last. So they got that going for them. But at the same time, at this point, you might as well want to be last. So then you can try to get a uh, another lottery pick and hope for the best. But at the same time, you're on the risk of becoming another Edmonton. So we'll see how that plays out for them. Um, speaking of Edmonton, uh, I didn't even mean to make that a segue. But hey, it's a segue. Uh, Edmonton's fo- uh, Edmonton forward Zach Cassian has been suspended for two games. Under uh, NHL rule 46.2, which is the aggressor uh, ruling, uh, for an altercation with uh, Calgary Flame forward Matthew Kachuk. Now, there's been a lot of controversy with this, I guess, um, to say the least. A lot of players um, really putting their input. Every Everyone with a mouth that watches uh, the game uh, has been making their... Their uh their case for it, um, Sid Sixero from uh, Tim and Sid on Sportsnet for you guys in Canada, um, basically backing uh Matthew Chuck in this case, um, Tim McAuliffe saying that uh he's he's backing Cassian, uh, as well as um Timu Solani, uh, is backing uh Cassian. And it also seemed that uh, Scotty Upshaw was also um, backing him as well. But we'll get into that also in a second here. Uh, so just to read you 
the ex- the exact verbatim ruling of what the aggressive rule is uh, per the NHL rule book. So 46.2, the aggressor rule. The aggressor in an altercation shall be the player who continues to throw punches in an attempt to inflict punishment on his opponent who is in a defenseless position or who is unwilling to, who is an unwilling combatant, which Cassian indeed reflects that portion of the ruling. But hang on, continue. A player must be deemed the aggressor when he has clearly won the fight, but he continues throwing and landing punches in the further attempt to inflict punishment and or injury on his opponent who is no longer in a position to defend himself. Also in Cassian's, uh, toward Cassian there. A player who is deemed to be the aggressor of an altercation shall be assessed a major penalty for fighting and a game misconduct. Uh, one of which did happen, but we'll get into that in a second. A uh, player who d- is deemed to be the aggressor of an altercation will have this recorded as an aggressor of an altercation for statistical and suspension, uh, suspension purposes, which he was suspended for being an aggressor. Uh, and a player who is deemed to be both the instigator and aggressor of an altercation shall be assessed an instigating minor penalty, a major penalty for fighting, a 10-minute mis- ten misconduct slash instigator, and a game misconduct penalty aggressor. He did not get that, however. Um, but what he did end up getting in that game, he got two, uh, double minor for roughing, and he got a game misconduct in result of that action. Now, reviewing the tape over and over and over and over and over and over again. My initial, before I saw the angle that Scuddy Opshaw was talking about, uh, so first off, uh, read you uh, excerpt from T. Mussolini's uh, tweet that he was saying that uh, after the review that uh, Cassian is going to be suspended for two games, uh, he was saying, uh, and Cassian will face an NHL hearing for protecting himself from two dangerous hits. Uh, also, um, tagging George Peros, who's the director or the, the head guy of the player safety, uh, who's also a former uh, enforcer, uh, too. Um, he's saying that it wasn't the right call in that case. And also Scotty Upshaw uh, saying from this angle, uh, which uh, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I have re, uh, I've retweeted that. So if you go to my uh, uh, YouTube, not my YouTube, uh, my Twitter uh, page at Easy Hack Reviews, because all of my um, social medias are all at Easy Hockey Reviews. So if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, or um, or on the Facebook page, go ahead and give us a like. But uh, uh, the video that uh, Scotty Opshaw is talking about is on the Twitter page, so go ahead and check that out after uh, listening to this. Um, as clear as day, and then Matthew Chuck had absolutely no, zero intention of making a hockey play. Uh, now, I will say, after seeing this angle, I can see where he's coming from. It just it helps Kachuk in the sense that Cassian did have the puck, so you could say that he was making a hockey play. But as he continues, he says, again, for those who haven't watched at any level other than Xbox, our new NHL states you must acknowledge there is a puck on the ice at some point. Um, which, with that case, now, you could say that the first the second hit is clean hands down it was a clean hit the second one was fine okay the first one however 
could go either way because Cassian had the puck, which you could say, yeah, he's going for the puck, whatever. But you have to look at it as the fact on how he got that hit going because he was at a dead stop and then he's like making some really good, like making like charging like strides toward Cassian. So I'll get I'll give Cassian the benefit of the doubt on the first hit, but the second hit, no. But regardless of the fact, first off, Cassian needs to tighten up his bucket or his helmet uh, a little bit better because his helmet was coming off easy on both those hits. Flew off his head. Flew off his head. It was like he he didn't even button it up at all. And. Cassian shouldn't, as as Kachuk was skating away, he shouldn't be not even, like, it's one thing if you, like, put him in a position to where, you know, hey, mano y mano, let's fight right now. No, he grabs him from the back of his neck and then just starts punching him in the back of the head. And as he's going down, because he's not in a position to uh, defend himself. He's down on the ice, and he's still getting punched. So that was absolutely uncalled for. At least in the way he did it. Now, I'm all for if he's trying to go for a fight whenever, because after that kind of hit, you kind of have to answer the bell for that. But the way that Cassian went about trying to get that the licks in on Kachuk was unacceptable. So I'm not necessarily saying I'm 100% Team Kachuk in this one. I'm not saying I'm 100% Cassian in this one. Both both have their, you know, their caveat. Like, both have their own, you know, like, you know, this guy shouldn't have done this, but this guy also shouldn't have done this. Regardless, I mean, it could have also been avoided, but, you know, um, as, to, as hockey, baby. Um, so I got to say about that. Um, other than um, Battle of a Better. Uh, ugh, words. The Battle of Alberta is back, baby. <laughs> the Battle of Alberta is back. That's all I got to say. Now, um, switching gears to um, the race to 894 goals. The record held by uh, one Wayne Gretzky. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, Alex Ovechkin scored two goals today. Which now has propelled him to eleventh of all eleventh uh, in all time goals uh, in the NHL, uh, passing Timu Solani, uh, who had six eighty four. He uh, Alex Ovechkin sits eleven with six hundred and eighty five goals. He only has five more. He only has to score five more goals to tie Mario Lemieux at six ninety, or uh, score one more and pass him. And then after that, above him, ninth place is Steve Yeiserman at 6.92 and Mark Messier at 6.94. So, uh, with with when it all comes said and done by the end of this season, he's gonna be he's gonna be up there. He's creeping. Uh, so he only has as of this point 209 goals to go to get to 894, which would tie uh, Wayne Gretzky's uh, goal. Uh, his record, um, so he'd only need he'd need 210 to beat his record. So at this rate, 
in the next three years, if he just keeps going at the consistent uh, pace that he's going, if he's go, if he goes 50 goals this year, and then 50 goal, he, if he goes 50 goals next three, or if he goes 30 for probably the next five, he, he he'll have that record. When all comes said and done, he'll have that record. He's, I I don't. I mean, there's a slim, I'd say there's a slim chance that Alex Ovechkin doesn't uh, beat the record before he retires. Because at this point, I don't see how he couldn't um, take that record. Which would be nice to see uh, a record get broken. Because it's not every day that uh, records like that get broken. Franchise records get broken all the time, but... All-time scoring records, yeah, that rarely ever happens. But uh, speaking of Alex Ovechkin, um, it was uh, recently he, oh, not really recently, uh, he announced that even though he was voted as captain for the Metropolitan Division at the uh, All-Star Game this year, um, he's setting it out, so he's going to be suspended a game, blah, 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 blah. So the question is, who's going to be the captain for the Metropolitan Division? At this year's All Star Game, well, uh, what about Crystal Tang? Uh, Crystal Tang uh, has been named uh, the captain for the Metropolitan Division at the All Star Game. Although, kind of confused as to why Crystal Tang, because there's probably other players that you could have for the Metro. I'm not taking anything away from Latang. I'm a fan of Latang, fan of the Penguins, but. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know. But, hey, um, at least I have a, a captain. So, yeah, Chris Letang, all-star game uh, captain for the Metropolitan Division. And speaking of the all-star game as well, uh, there has been a, uh, a new event uh, added to all-star weekend. Uh, it's going to be a three-on-three uh, game between uh, the top American Canadian women's hockey players. So, uh, to uh, further promote the uh the game all around um but also women's hockey in uh in general getting the publicity that it needs and anyone says oh it's basically kind of like a second class game no just because just because they're women hockey players doesn't mean that it's any less exciting than men's hockey now, I will agree, like, you know, the lack of fighting or, the, like, the lack of hits, you know, kind of takes away from the game that we know and love in the NHL where you get all those n nice, nasty hits and you get fights and all that. But, you know, whenever you're a fan of the game, especially for the skill players, women's hockey can be very compelling, especially if you've been watching on the Olympic level. Like, it's it's a really, really good game. It's a really good game, and it's a shame that they don't get the uh, attention that they deserve, and it's also a shame that they don't have a pro league that uh, can sustain itself enough to give the players the, uh, the pay that they need to even, uh, you know, make do. Because the, Can the Canadian Women's Hockey League um, folded not too recently, um, yeah, not too long ago. And then the uh, only standing, quote-unquote, pro women's hockey league, the NWHL, is um, trying 
to sustain itself. But um, the NHL has also came out and basically said that they're not going to even try to step foot into making a league for a women's league until there's literally not another viable option. Because at this point, because the NHL doesn't want to compete with another league, um, basically steal the thunder from that league, especially with the resources that the NHL has when it comes to marketing with broadcasting partners, um, sponsors in general. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say that if, if and when, I'm not hoping that it happens, although unless, if it comes down to it to where it needs to happen for women's hockey to be sustainable for the NWHL to fold, then the NHL can start one. And with their expertise that they have, they could most likely make it sustainable. And then you put, and then you can try to like partner the women's league team with a existing NHL team since they already have buildings and all that. Especially in like, even in like in markets that don't necessarily fill their buildings too much. You know, you could, you know, Put one in Florida if you want, or even if you want to just try to capitalize on a rich hockey market, regardless if it's a big or small market, you could put one in Chicago, you could put one in L.A., you could put one in St. Louis. Because I would tell you one thing, if the if they had a pro hockey, pro women's hockey league uh, team in St. Louis, I'd be all about that. I'd be all about that. And I, I would definitely cover that as well. That I, I would ex, I, I would expand this uh the brands uh the Easy Hacker Views brands um scope of um paying attention to the game other than the NHL at that point for sure. Um yeah. And also speaking of the NHL uh, All Star Game, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning goaltender uh, Andre Vasilevsky is replacing Tuka Rask. Uh, the All-Star game, I don't know if it's because Tuka Rask is sitting out. I don't know if it's because he got injured or what, because I tried finding out why, but all it said was, hey, Vassie's in, to, uh, Rask is out. That's all I saw. But speaking of injuries, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs uh, defenseman uh, Morgan Riley will be missing at least eight weeks with a fractured foot after uh, sustaining that uh, in the their past game versus the uh, Florida Panthers. Um, so, and this is him being, and he's going to be assessed after the eight weeks. It's not necessarily saying he's going to come back after eight. So it's all contingent on uh, how uh, good recovery goes for his foot. And hopefully for the, the Leafs who uh, don't really have a good deep um, defensive core uh, as they currently sit third in the uh, Atlantic, uh, they want to keep into that spot, keep in the top three spot for sure. Um, and hopefully uh, they can make do without Riley for the time being. And also speaking of defensemen, uh, Rangers defenseman Jacob Truba has been fined $5,000. Uh, I believe that's also the maximum uh, under the CBA for that kind of offense uh, for repeatedly, repeatedly slashing Blues defenseman Vince Dunn in this past Saturday's game in St. Louis um at right, right at the end of the like right at the very end of the game like the last like 3 seconds of the game he's just continuously slashing 
done and then they get a little bit couple licks in like two or three licks in before the uh the refs break it up very prematurely which is a, a sh uh shame to see but uh yeah he's been fined five thousand dollars and now we get into blues talk here so if uh you're here for everything else well i guess i'll see you in the next one but if you're here for blue if you don't mind hearing some blues talk here um here's some stats uh, before this game starts, before this game started, uh, between the Ducks and Blues, uh, the Blues had 36 games remaining in the regular season. Uh, if they were to go 14, 18, and 4, they'd end up with 97 points, which at this rate, uh, is good enough to get in the playoffs. If they go 18, 18, and 0, they would end up with 101 points, so that, regardless, they'd go into the playoffs at that point. Uh, 20, 11, and 5. They'd end up with 110 points. Uh, in 24, 10, and 2, they'd end up with 115. Uh, their franchise record is 114 points that was set in the 1999-2000 season, uh, which is the only time in franchise history uh, the Blues ever won the President's Trophy. So um, there you go. And that was also, I want to say, no, I want to say the season before that was the year that they had their very own, uh, their one only uh, Calder Cup winner and uh, Barrett Jackman um, for uh, the Blues. But uh, yeah, going in the, the Anaheim Ducks versus the Blues. The uh, Ducks are 17, 23, and 5 entering this game. Blues are 29-10-7 uh, entering this game. With a win tonight, the Blues would not only retain the longest home winning streak in the NHL for this season, but it also match a franchise record set in the 1990-1991 season uh, where they had nine, um, nine uh, consecutive home game uh, wins. So in the first period, at 7.53, uh, Alex Steen gets the Blues on the board with a rocket of a slap shot on uh, old Gibby, uh, John Gibson's uh, short side at 7.53 with uh, Robert Bortuzzo and Braden Shen getting the assists. And with that goal, uh, Alex Steen now has three goals in the past three games. Uh, two of uh, his three goals of the season uh, came in the game on Thursday versus Buffalo. Uh, one was a one, one was a goal with the goalie in the net, and one was uh, an empty netter. So um, there you go. Um, and then the Blues were kind of letting off in the uh, off the gas uh, in the final five uh, of the uh, period, as uh, which then opens up the uh, the window for Max Comtois to uh, tie the game up at. 15-22, which was unassisted, and um, it was just a, a, a good screen by the, the Ducks, to say the least. Um, that and a little bit of a deflection off of Sanford's uh, shin pad, too, um, to get into uh, Allen's five-hole. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you one thing for sure. Had I started this channel, or not the, well, yeah, the channel, but also the podcast as well, um when I first really, really, really started watching um, the Blues or just hockey in general, uh, which was the 2015-2016 season. 
which would be the last time that I would have definitely say what I'm about to say. I can, without a doubt now, give Jake Allen the benefit of the doubt. The 2016-2017 season, the 17-18, and the 18-19 season, I could not give Jake Allen the benefit of the doubt. One bit. Could not give him the benefit of the doubt worth a damn. But because he thrives, uh, Jake Allen thrives when he has competition in in the in between the pipes. He didn't have that in the 16-17 season. He didn't have that in the 17-18 season. He didn't have that in the 18-19 season until he was so bad they decided, hey, this guy that we've had in the system since like 2011, let's give him his first shot. Oh yeah, by the way, he gives us our gives us a shutout and then starts the whole uh Cinderella story to the Stanley Cup final and giving us the first uh, Stanley Cup in franchise history. But now, with that competition in net, in Jordan Bennington, Jake Allen has really rised to the occasion. Now, also the fact that majority of his starts are on the road, and he's really good on the road, it would be apparent. And every once in a while, they'll give him a home start like they did today, and he did very well. Very well. And I will give him the benefit of the doubt on that goal because he he genuinely did not see it. And had he saw it, no doubt he would have stopped it. All he would have to do is just close up his five hole. Would have been fine. Ending your first period, shots 5-5 five, five apiece. Second period, uh, Tyler Golzak or Tyler Bozak. Uh, gives the uh, Blues the lead once again with a beautiful shot on uh, Gibby's short side, uh, which seems to be the uh, the place of the day to uh, score goals. At 2.21 with Mackenzie McEachern and Robert Thomas getting the assist to make it 2-1 Blues. Uh, and then regardless of the Blues' goal, the Ducks are getting a lot more shots on goal, although it's not about how many shots you, ma- you make, it's how many that you well, how many that you take, it's how many you make into goals. Uh, which at that point, the Blues had two goals. Ducks only had one. And then Josh Manson and uh, David Perron get matching minors for unsportsmanlike conduct at 749, um, making it 4-4. Four and four. And then Max Jones hooks at Ryan O'Reilly at 934. And in just second se- uh, seven seconds later at the start of the Blues power play, Jaden Schwartz nets the power play goal uh, to give the Blues a 3-1 lead at 941 with Braden Shen and Alex Petrangelo getting the assist. Um... Really digging uh, Schwartz's uh, production this year. Uh, a little bit more consistent than normal. Um, and it's good to see. And the Blues are turning up the pressure in the final six of the second period, to say the least. Uh, and turning the Ducks into a real tur- uh, turnover machine. Uh, and not in a good way, because the Ducks are turning over the puck left and right. Um, especially in their own zone, like it was just absolutely embarrassing. And if it wasn't for uh, if it wasn't for uh, John Gibson in that, this game would have been at least ten, ten to one. It might be an exaggeration, but you know, it, it's 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 the truth. Uh, shots twenty two ten twenty two ten in favor of the St. Louis Blues, and it's the most shots in a period this year. 
I don't necessarily know if that statistic is just for the Blues in general or if that's just for any team in the NHL right now. But, hey, uh, it's the most shots in a period this year. Uh, that's all I got to say there. Uh, third period, uh, another statistic. Blues are 19-0-5 when leading after two. Uh, David Perron takes a couple uh, penalties first at 333. He hooks uh, Andre Kasha. Um, then he kills, and then the Blues kill that off. And then at 559, oof. Uh, he trips uh, Adam Henrique, uh, which once again, they uh, kill that off. And the major oof moment of the game goes to Hampus Lindholm, uh, making uh, John Gibson whiff the puck right behind his own net with it empty because Gibson's trying to play it. But Lindholm gets in the way, uh, which then turns over the puck to Ivan Barbashev to an empty net, uh, who then scores uh, to give the Blues a 4-1 lead. At 10:29, it was unassisted, unless you count uh, Hampus Lindholm. Uh, then yeah, it would be an assist for Lindholm. Uh, shot 7-6 in favor of the Blues for the third period. Total shots of the game 34-21 in favor of the St. Louis Blues. Ducks uh, special teams got skunked as the power play went 0 for 2. PK went 0 for 1. Uh, Blues power play 1 for 1. PK 2 for 2. Your final score 4-1 St. Louis Blues. Your three stars of the game, Alex Steen is your third star, Braden Chen is your second star, and Jake Allen is your first star of the game. Now, the uh, Blues have now tied a franchise record of the nine consecutive home wins set during that 1990-1991 season, uh, which also does show how old, how long it's been. Uh, the Blues moved into the Enterprise Center slash Scott Trade Center slash Savas Center slash Keel Center in the 1994 season, um, in the 1994 season, and uh, previous before that, the um, Blues played in the uh, St. Louis Arena, or just called the Arena, the Chucker Dome, or whatever uh, name you had for it back in the day. Uh, so yeah, that was when that record was set. So um, who knows? Uh, the Blues will have an opportunity to make that uh, record, make it a record of 10 uh, on Wednesday uh, when they versus the Philadelphia Flyers as they wrap up their homestand uh, in St. Louis. Um, and that will be on NBC Sportsnet, so uh, I'm not going to be uh, too happy with the uh, the calling of that game, but, you know, got to live with it, I guess. But anyway, um, that's been it of the uh, episode here. Um, don't forget to rate, uh, and subscribe if you're listening to this on any of the podcast services that this, uh, podcast is on, on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as Google Podcasts. Uh, and if you're listening to this on YouTube, go ahead and, uh, subscribe to the channel, uh, click on the, vi uh, one of the videos I have in the corner for you as well, um, I'll be returning the videos sometime next month. Uh, I don't know when. Um, it's all contingent on uh, if, uh, how fast I can get a place, get this uh, set up going, and uh, start filming some videos uh, in, in my off time as my, uh, my schedule will be changing uh, at that point. But anyway, uh, without further ado, uh, yeah, this is the end of the episode, and I'll catch you next one. Thank you very much.